Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Well, the title of the message today is, can you hear me now? Now, trust me, (laughs) this subject matter is not based on your cell phone carrier. It is largely based on our role as children of the Most High God. Now, I often mention the fact, and I know you've heard me say it quite often, that all of us are giant children. We require the wisdom and guidance of our Heavenly Father. No different, really, than our own children need and require our wisdom. This is not a unique concept in any way, since we were made how? In the image and likeness of God. So this is really how he designed the system. Now, I want you to take some time, just kind of relax, and I want you to really think about this. Think for a moment, all of you who have children, or if you're grandparents, or if you're mentors or caregivers of children at all, I want you to think of just how much you love those children. And take a few minutes and remember the sacrifices that you have made for them. You may even remember a few times that you placed your own needs and desires aside because you wanted to take care of what they needed and what they desired. Now, would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Now, your motive for doing it, I'm sure, was love. Because if you didn't love and care for them, you would take care of yourself first and foremost. Now, think about this. You live your life, you're doing the very best that you can to be a strong support system for your children. You put a roof over their heads, and what's even more important than putting a roof over their heads, you keep that roof over their heads, which sometimes can be harder than just initially putting one over their heads. You keep clothes on their back, and then they have the nerve, many of them, who want designer clothes. And you're just trying to believe God for some clothes, and now you've got to try to go ahead and get designer clothes. But you rise to the occasion, and you do that too. You make sure they have plenty of food to eat. They're not back to having like, you know, mayonnaise sandwiches and just sopping up gravy with bread. I mean, they're getting the full meal, everything. They have plenty of it to choose from. You make sure that they have all the school supplies they need. And see, school supplies, we think of them, we think of elementary school. Let me tell you, school supplies go all the way up to graduate school because Books are even more expensive than crayons. So the point of the matter is you're there for them. You're helping them with everything they need. When they want to study abroad, that's another expense. You figure out a way to exercise your faith and come up with whatever it is that they need. You do whatever it takes for them to succeed because that's where your heart is. That's what you want to do. You train them up with the word being their compass, and that's something else that you do. And on top of it, most importantly, you live a Christian life as an example for them. Now, a time may come where you can see that they are heading in the wrong direction. And as their parent, grandparent, mentor, or caregiver, what are you to do? 
clearly you want to share your wisdom and you want to support them and keep them from making a critical mistake, right? In other words, you love them and you have invested your life, your time into their success. How do you feel if they recognize that and they recognize that you love them, they understand that. However, they choose not to listen to you, refuse not to glean your wisdom at all, and they end up in a mess. And most often they then come running back to you for you to help them get out of the mess that they created that you could see ahead of time they were heading for. In the natural, you may want to shout and scream and even slap them, okay, to get their attention. But trust me, that does not always work anyway, especially if they're over 30 years of age. <laughs> because as I shared with you last week, they are your children as long as you are here. It does not stop at a certain age. Now, spiritually, you stand in the gap for them. You pray and continue to intercede, looking forward to the day when they are willing to accept your wisdom and you may ask, can you hear me now? <laughs> Remember, I mentioned that we are made in the image and likeness of God. How do you think our Heavenly Father feels when he has done for us more than we could ever even do for our children? I should say, really, the children that he entrusted to us. He has provided everything that we will ever need and provided an incomparable sacrifice when he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now the purpose of this message is to remind some and introduce others to the potential that lies within us. What we learn today is really designed to assist us in our journey. Turn with me to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter and the 11th verse. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Now, many of you already know this scripture, and it really does establish that God has a plan for each of us. Additionally, informs us that it is a plan for our welfare and peace to give us hope and our final outcome. If we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, and this is the one everybody mostly quotes, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The Amplified says it this way, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. And I really appreciate the Message Bible because it says, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. We must be mindful that God had these plans before we were even born. You know, we quote that scripture and we're like, okay, yes, he has plans for us. All right, we're born again, we're spirit-filled. Praise the Lord, he has plans. I don't think we ever really stopped to think he had these plans before you ever entered into the earth realm. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and we're going to look at verse 16. 
Psalm 139, verse 16. If you look at it in the New King James Version, it says, Your eye saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. If we look at it in the Amplified Classic Edition, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before ever they took shape, when as yet there was none of them. But the message really <laughs> makes it clear. Because it says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Now, that is very powerful. Now, I'm confident that we always don't remember the fact that God knows every day of our lives. And really, to tell you the truth, we just get so caught up in living and trying to navigate through the challenges and storms that it often occupies most of our attention. We may not wanna admit that, but it's really the truth. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask you to be your authentic selves and ask yourself the following question. Do you always feel that God's plan includes Good fortune, health, happiness, prosperity, well-being, and peace for you? Some of you may even be honest enough to ask, why are you here? What is your purpose? And are you accomplishing what you were born to do? Now, I recognize that sometimes, you know, we take a job to provide for ourselves and our family. And that's a good thing, because if man doesn't work, man doesn't eat. So, however, we must keep in mind that if we take a job like that, it's subject to change. I want you to think about this. I submit to you, and I'm going to give you an example, of a person who wakes up in the morning and they think about music. They hear melodies constantly in their head. They actually jot down music. They jot down. They may not have even been, go, they may not have gone to school and been taught how to exactly uh, know all of the different notes and the scales and all the rest of that. They weren't properly trained, but they just have it in them. They can just hum out a melody. They can write songs. And I don't mean lousy songs. I mean good songs. They can do all of this. And it's just naturally, they pick up instruments and they just know how to play them. Nobody instructed them. It's just in them. Everything about music just excites them. One would think that their gifts and talents are in what? Music, right? Okay. Now, if they have a job as a dental hygienist, it may be, be a good job, but the dentist's drill is not exactly music. So their gifts and talents in that particular scenario are not being utilized per se. So granted, there are some of you 
who knew at an early age what God intended for your life. That is indeed a blessing and you should treasure that. However, for those of us that didn't know right away, or for those of us who are still trying to the best of our ability to be all that God wants us to be, I would like to show you how you can receive clarity. If I were to say to you, if you're about to take an important test, say you're in high school and you wanna get into college so you're gonna take an SAT, or you wanna get a master's degree so you gotta take a GRE, or you might be saying, okay, I wanna be a lawyer, but I gotta take LSATs, I wanna go to medical school, I gotta take MCATs, all of these are important tests that are going to have a lot to do with our future. If I said to you that I would provide you with the answer key while you're taking the test, and it's legal, nothing shady about it, would you find that helpful? Of course, okay, or if you decided to start your own computer company, okay, you decide that you wanna do that, you're a techie, you, you, you're gonna do this for some reason. So I say, fine, I will provide you with unlimited time with Bill Gates of Microsoft as your tutor. Would you think that's a good idea? Okay, or say you're embarking upon a basketball career, and I mean you have physical ability for this, not just because you like basketball, okay? And I said that you could have unlimited lessons with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Steph Curry, as well as be mentored by Alan Crabb. Do you think that would be a good idea? Okay, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and we're gonna look at verse 16. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verse 16. Are you there? When you're there, tell me by saying amen. amen. Okay, great. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? The Living Bible says, don't you realize that all, that all of you together are the house of God and that the spirit of God lives among you in his house. And the message says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one <laughs> will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred and you, remember, are the temple. As believers, we have been born of the spirit of the most high God. He dwells within us. When you hear us give our benediction and we say, wherever you are, God is, that is real. That's not just something that sounds cute. You have the entire Godhead within you. You need to understand that. Now, that's to me a lot better than any of those other scenarios that I mentioned. Any of them do not compare to the fact that the Most High God lives within us. This is amazing when you think about it. Just think about who you were before you were translated out of darkness into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of God's beloved son. As you think about that, turn with me to John's gospel, the seventh chapter. And we're going to spend a little time in John, so kind of keep your finger there. John's gospel, the seventh chapter. We're going to look at verses 38 and 39. And this is Jesus speaking to us in these verses of scripture. Okay. So, 
If we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flows, flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not was not yet glorified. If we look at it in the easy to read, which kind of makes it even clearer, it says, if anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from their heart. That is what the scriptures say. Jesus was talking about the spirit. The spirit had not yet been given to people because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. But later, those who believed in Jesus would receive the spirit. And the Amplified says, he who believes in me, here's the qualifier, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me. You see, when we say we believe in him, we're supposed to adhere to, trust in, and rely on him. Not just say, oh, I believe like it's something cute. It's a qualifier, okay? So that's what the Amplified says. And picking back up, meaning... As the scripture has said, from this inner, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those he believed, who, I can't even, look, back up. Verse 39, out of the Amplified. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him as Savior, another qualifier, were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified, raised to honor. Now, you're already in John. Go right on over to the 14th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. John 14, verses 16 and 17. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to read it first out of the New King James. And it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the traditional King James says comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. That is very important to know. Because this Holy Spirit being filled to overflowing that we're talking about is only available to believers. It is not available to the world. That's why it says, whom the world cannot receive. Neither it because it neither sees him or knows him, because they can't even relate to it. It's, it's not possible. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. Again, this is confirming that God is within us. The Spirit of God is within us. If we look at it in the easy read, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The helper is the Spirit of truth. The people of the world cannot accept him because they don't see him or know him. But you know him. He lives with you and he will be in you. And the Amplified, I love this because it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. But check out the explanation of the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Now, just go right on over to John 16, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 15. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to highlight or jot down verse 7 of John 16, 
and verses 13 through 15. And those are the ones I want you to go back and study on your own time as well. But I am going to share with you John 16 verses 5 through 15 out of the Amplified Translation. And it says, but now I am going to him who sent me. And this remembers Jesus speaking. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it, because they do not believe in me and my message about righteousness, personal integrity and godly character. That's what we need to think about when we talk about righteousness. We often just say, oh, because I'm in right standing with God, but we forget that it ha involves personal integrity and godly character. That is part of what you should be wearing when you wear righteousness. Because I am going to my father and will no longer, and you will no longer see me. About judgment, the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear to hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the father, the message regarding the son. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. This is important. He will disclose to you what comes in the future. Sometimes you're in the midst of trying to make a decision and you have no idea what is ahead of you. The Holy Spirit knows. But if you don't ask him, neither will you. All you have to do is ask and he'll guide you and direct you. That's why it says also it tells us that the word is a lamp unto our feet. The Holy Spirit he, he'll show you. He'll tell you. But you've got to ask. You've got to develop a relationship with him, not just have him up on a shelf somewhere as some spooky thing that you think you know about. OK, back to verse 14. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine because of this. I said that he, the spirit, will take from what is mine and will reveal it to you. Now think about that. If he will reveal it to him and he lives within us, what does that mean? Doesn't that mean we can become privy to it as well? Hmm, I think so. Okay. These scriptures allow us to know that the role of the Holy Spirit is a yet another gift that God has provided for us. God knew that this journey of life would present challenges for us. He loved us so much that he gave us the greatest gift of all, Jesus. He allowed us to be reconciled to himself by accepting Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. He deposited his, his spirit within us when we were born again. But he loved us so much more that he gave us the gift 
of the Holy Spirit to overflowing evidence by speaking with other tongues. Now, as a Christian, all you have to do to receive this gift is ask. Jot down, I'm not going to read it, but jot down Luke's gospel, the 11th chapter, verses 9 through 13, and it confirms what I've just said to you. Now, it's interesting to me because we extend the invitation at the end of every single service, allowing Christians the opportunity to receive this gift. Yet and still, they do not respond. Yet and still, they still choose to be beaten over their heads, left and right, trying to figure out how to make this thing called life work. When they have a gift, a precious tool that will allow them to see how to get to their victory easier and faster, but they just don't even bother to use it. Can you imagine what it would be like if you went to the market and you bought yourself all kinds of wonderful food and meats and everything and you came home and your stove was sitting there and you know like say you buy a chicken and you decide you want to bake it it's helpful to use the stove right but you sit there with that chicken and it's not cooking because you're not putting it in the stove and you don't really want to eat it raw because you're not quite at that point yet and you just sit there and look at the chicken. And then you're sitting there and you're like, well, Lord, I really wanted this chicken. I went to the store. I got coupons, got it on sale. It was really great and I'm really hungry. What in the world do you think he's going to say to you? You need to use the tool of the stove. Open it up, stick the chicken in there, okay, to cook it. Yet and still, this is what we as Christians do when we do not use the tool of the Holy Spirit. It's just as silly as that. Yet and still, we do it all the time. So, turn with me to Acts. And you know this scripture. You've seen this scripture all the time. Acts 1, verse 8. Many of you can quote it off the top of your head. Acts 1, verse 8. If we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Amplified says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, which includes Manhattan, the Bronx, Brooklyn, and every place else. Okay? He gives that to us. Now, what kind of power are we receiving when the Holy Spirit has come upon us? We're receiving in the Greek, it's called dunamis. It is a, a strength, power, or ability. It's actually the root word in English for, you know, dynamite, dynamo, dynamic. In this particular text, it means the power of God. But I'm going to break this down. I'm not going to go into this whole long thing. That's a whole other message, and we've done that, so I'm not doing it now. But I do want to bring this to your attention. It is talking about having the authority in the power of God. In other words, you have power in the name of Jesus. You have the authority to use that name. Here is something that people often get the lines blurred, and I want to make this real clear. If my grandchild were to come in here 
which he better never do. But if he would come in here and start running around, you know, like he's just lost his thoughts for the moment. Uh, Minister Nadine has the power to come up and grab him and stick his butt in that seat and tell him to sit down. Now, she has the power to do that. But you know what? She doesn't have the authority because that's not her grandson. It's mine. Okay? So, just like at your job, you may have a supervisor, okay, or the boss at your job. Now, you may think you're smarter than he is or she is, and you may think you know a better way in which to do whatever, you know, because after all, you know, you're so smart. However, you don't understand the chain of command because you know what? Here's the interesting part. That supervisor or boss nine times out of ten has a supervisor or boss that they have to answer to too. So therefore, you are supposed to go in there, do your job, and leave it there. If you feel as if that supervisor or boss should do something different, don't go running off at the mouth. Okay, you have the power to run off at the mouth. You have the power to go to your other co-workers and start running off and tell, well, you know, I think they should do it this way, and I think that, da, 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 da. Yeah, you have the power to do that, but you don't have the authority. And the thing that is so silly is it will always backfire in your face because you'll see you have no authority because what you were running your mouth off about is not going to happen because you didn't have the authority to do it to begin with. So the point is, get in your prayer closet if you're so smart and you know all the answers, and give it to the Lord. Leave it there and allow him to make the changes if you feel it that strongly about changes being made. But the point that I'm making to you is do not overstep what you're supposed to do. Okay? Do not do that. It doesn't profit anyone and especially you. You usually come out being made look silly in the long run because just because you have the power to do something does not mean you have the authority. But the good news is when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have the power of God operating in your life. And that is something that you have available to you that you need to go ahead and use. As a matter of fact, in the scenario I just gave to you about anything, even the little child running around, you can pray in the spirit. And watch that little child go by himself and sit down in that seat and be quiet. In the scenario about the supervisors and things not going on at work, you pray in the spirit and you watch the things change. I, I've shared with you before, I used to go before Crenshaw came to New York. We were going to a huge church upstate. And that was when my children were small, you know, babies them. And they didn't have any space for nursing mothers. That was kind of like, no, we don't do that. So what they would make me do was when I wanted to, you know, like in between, like after the music, you know, before the word, I would go in and, and you know, take care of the needs of my baby and then come back out. Well, they wouldn't let you come back out. You had to go outside, walk all the way around, you know, and this was a huge building. They had like over 3,500 people coming every week, okay, to come back in. And this one particular day, we were having a blizzard, literal blizzard conditions. And I went in to take care of the needs of my son. And they told me, these wonderful, loving Christian people, isn't it nice when Christian people are so kind and so sweet? All I had on was a little sweater jacket because I was inside. You know, I didn't have on my heavy coat. They literally told me, go outside, walk all the way around to come back in. Okay, I did that. When I got back in, I looked like a wreck rat. 
I mean, my hair was all, I, I was a mess. I couldn't even go sit in the sanctuary because I was just soaking wet. So I had to go in the ladies' room, take off the sweater, wring it out, stand there with the hair dryer, just try, you know, the hand dryer, I should say, trying to dry myself off just so that I could even look somewhat like something, not scaring people when they saw me. But I had two choices. I could have done what? Made a big thing, have a fit, but I knew that I had the Holy Spirit within me. I took the opportunity to intercede and not pray in English. I prayed in English originally to make my request known unto God with thanksgiving. However, after that, I prayed in other tongues and I continued to intercede. Well, I want you to know it wasn't even that long. It wasn't, I don't know, maybe a year, if that long. I think it was more like about 11 months. They set up a whole section in the sanctuary for nursing mothers. I never went and ran my mouth and said a word except in the throne room. And God honored it and corrected it. And you can do the same thing in your life. So I am never sharing anything with you that I don't know to be 100% true. So if you have the choice of traveling along this journey of life in your own strength and limited wisdom or the dunamis power of the Most High God with access to his infinite wisdom, which would you choose? Obviously, the latter. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to look at three verses in it. And these, if you've ever gone through our counseling department, you know these verses. It's, we're going to look at verse 2, 4, and 14. So starting with verse 2 in 1 Corinthians 14. And by the way, I'm going to share all of these with you out of the Amplified. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people but to God. For no one understands him or catches his meaning. But by the Spirit, he speaks mysteries, secret truths, hidden things, things that you don't even know yourself are the issue that needs to be dealt with. That comes out when you allow your spirit man to pray because you're giving God access to pray through your spirit to get the thing taken care of the way it should be. See, sometimes we hold ourselves back because we don't want to deal with certain things. You know, like in that scenario with the boss, okay, maybe we have a little bit of an attitude correction that needs to take place too. But we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to, in our minds, talk about everything about the boss. But you see, when you allow the Spirit of God to pray through you, he can pray through you and start working that thing out in you as well as the boss, and then you have total victory. So if we look at verse 4, it says, One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church, promotes growth in spiritual wisdom, devotion, holiness, and joy. This is super important. Something that I learned, you can sometimes be weary in the midst of a storm. Now, you can sit there and act like you're not. I have been weary, okay, in the midst of a storm. The way that you rejuvenate yourself and be able to stand there, come what may square your shoulders and know you have victory, take some time to pray in your heavenly language. Build yourself up. That's what strengthens you. Let me tell you another thing that it does. A lot of people look at me and sometimes I may sleep only two hours. Last night, I was trying to get three hours. I don't know. Went to lie down. 
wasn't working. So I probably slept a good two and a half hours. And people sit up and say to me, how do you do that? I'll tell you how I do that. I pray in the spirit. Because as soon as I got up and got in the shower, I was like, okay, body did not want to hear about it. Okay, the body was like, you need more rest. Didn't have time for more rest. But I prayed in my prayer language. It builds you up and allows you to do whatever the task is that is at hand. Uh, okay, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive because it does not understand what my spirit is praying. This goes back to what I just shared with you. It works some things out that you don't know how to do on your own. Allow God access to be able to do that. Now, let me be clear. The gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is not spooky. It's not some out of control thing. It is merely an additional gift provided to us as God's children. Now, some of you are saying, and I already know that, we are members of Crenshaw. We already know this. That's the first question. Number two, why are you constantly harping on being filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence and speaking with other tongues? And three, I already have my prayer language. I speak with other tongues. So in other words, this whole message is kind of like yeah, a waste of your life. Here are my answers to those three questions. Number one, you may be a member of Crenshaw Christian Center New York, but can you authentically say that you use your prayer language every single day that you live? Number two, faith cometh by hearing and all of the challenges you face are quenched rapidly when you utilize your prayer language. And number three, I was given this assignment because our Father, the Most High God, who resides within us is asking, can you hear me now? The gift of the Holy Spirit is not only a tool to help you in your everyday life, it allows you to glean a better understanding of God. Now, you may be in the midst of a battle or may have been in the midst of a battle that you just want it to end. <laughs> you have prayed, you've fasted, you've cried, you've wept. You just may be asking God yourself, Father, can you hear me now? So it works both ways. Now, this is critical because it's hard to trust someone that you barely know. You're not so easy to give access to someone that you just kind of know, but you don't truly, truly know to be able to trust them. Jot down, because I'm not going to share it with you, but just jot down John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, the 24th verse. And it says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God wants us to know him. He's made that clear. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 2. So I'm going to share that with you and I'm going to choose to do it. Oh. Okay, I'm going to choose to do it out of the message. What I want you to do, you know what? Well, maybe I won't. Okay, I'm not. I'm going to do, here's the, okay. Now, just to give you a little insight, because sometimes people wonder, like, is she going nuts? What is she doing? No, I have. 
have both translations. And I was looking at the clock and I was like, oh my goodness, I got to hurry up. So I'm going to just do the message. But the Holy Spirit wants you to hear it out of the Amplified. So you know what? That's what we're going to do. And that's what he said. So I'm going to be obedient. So 1 Corinthians 2, sharing it out of the Amplified. And the thing that's wonderful about this, this is Paul writing it. And he is sharing with us how he the man who wrote the most of the New Testament as we know it, he relied on the Holy Spirit. So if he relied on the Holy Spirit, why in the world are we so high and mighty that we don't think we need to? So starting with verse one, it says, and when I came to you, this is Paul, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming to you the testimony of God concerning salvation through Christ, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, no lofty words of eloquence or a philosophy as a Greek orator might do. For I made the decision to know nothing, that is, to forego philosophical or theological discussions regarding inconsequential things and opinions while among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and the meaning of his redemptive substantiary death and his resurrection. I came to you in a state of weakness and fear and great trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of his power stirring the minds of the listeners and persuading them so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom and rhetoric of men, but on the power of God. Yet, we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. Notice what he said. Spiritually mature believers are believers who have teachable hearts because with a teachable heart, you can gain greater understanding. But it is a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor of the rulers and leaders of this age praise God, who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory, to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it was written in scripture, things which the eyes have not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words or supplied by human, not 
words taught are supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts and spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. But the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. We'll put a pin there. So don't start going arguing with people, thinking that they're going to understand any kind of spiritual nugget that you've received if they're not a believer, because they are not capable of understanding it. So don't start stressing yourself out and looking ignorant by trying to get them to understand it. They're not going to. You need to know that. Verse 16, for who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. As believers, we are in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior, making intercession for us. We most definitely want to be clear on what they are telling us. We want the wisdom of God to guide us. We have read scripture stating that the office of the Holy Spirit will do exactly that. However, it is our responsibility to utilize the gift provided us by praying in our prayer language, other tongues. In doing so, our spirit can hear and receive understanding directly from the throne room of God. And it's confirmed in Jude. You can turn there if you want or jot it down. Jude, and of course, there's only a chapter. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. In the New King James Version, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The Amplified, I like it because it says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Continually progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, pray in the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously and looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring you to eternal life. Notice both scriptures are talking about how keep yourselves in the love of God. When you find that people are just getting on your nerves all the time, you know, you just can't understand it. You think everybody around you has got issues. You need to take a break. Okay, and start praying in the spirit. Why? Because it keeps you in the love of God. And sometimes people are a lot to deal with and we need to exercise our faith to walk in that love of God. Well, this just told us how we need to do that. God has created each of us for a unique purpose. No one else can do what he created you to do. Regardless of what you have been told you are a valuable creation of the Most High God. Be encouraged by that fact. Paul reminds us that we need to always walk in wisdom. Turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. 
and I'm going to share it with you out of the message. And the message Bible says this, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge droughts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from, the, from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our master, Jesus Christ. If you don't know your purpose or have any kind of vision of what it is, all you have to do is ask. God will not withhold wisdom from you, but rather he gives it freely. Turn to James. And we're going to look at chapter one, verse five. And you're, I'm sure, very familiar with this. James one, verse five. The New King James Version says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. If any of you lacks wisdom, Here's the qualifier to guide him through a decision or circumstance. He is to ask of our benevolent God, the God who loves you like no one else can. I added that. Okay. Who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame. If you ask him, he doesn't sit and start criticizing you and telling you how you should have done it a different way. Or, you know, you could do this instead of doing that. And why don't you do this? How people do. People do that. OK, he doesn't. He just embraces you, gives you a hug and gives you the wisdom or whatever the challenge may be. Amen. There is so much more that can be shared on this subject. I mean, this could be a series easily. So we're going to have to do that another time. <laughs> Your heavenly father loves you. So much so that he provided you with a comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.